Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul. Angeline. And today we're talking about how to pick your next game. And what do you mean by that? Everybody is playing a game, uh, either a, a short series of adventures or a long campaign. And uh, it ends, right? All things come to an end sooner or later. So then, you know, you have options as to what kind of game we're going to play next or who's going to run the next game. Sometimes, and if sometimes. there's more than one person that runs a game. Right. Yeah, this is basically for people who have people in their group who can run games or like to run games. And you have choices, right? Now, if you're in a group that has only been playing AD&D 2nd Edition for the past 30 years, this probably isn't for you. But if you like mixing it up and Although playing... it might be, because then you might be able to play something else. <laughs> Well, that's true, too. But usually people who play those games for such a long period of time, you know, they only play one game, you know, and there's some people who only play D&D. It's, it is, uh, you know, quite stunning for people like me who play quite a few different games or like looking at different games. And have bought thousands of games. <laughs> I want to say thousands. So a lot depends on the group that you play with. Right. Uh, luckily for us, me and Jolene, we have we're in, at least in two groups. There are multiple GMs in those groups, right? People who, and that's the whole point of those groups is to rotate the GMs, rotate the games. So one, one goal was to actually get to play some of these games on my shelf. <laughs> Jolie's eyeball in the shelves. And the other is to see what other games have to offer as far as mechanics. And, you know, we just want to play in a different genre. You know, some people like modern games to deal with spies and thrillers and stuff like that mysteries or and science fiction you know a lot of people love science fiction star wars star trek you know are huge uh, favorites in our household so it seems to me only natural that people would want to play different types of games so luckily for us we have quite a few people in our group that are more than willing to run a game like our friday night group we rotate well, we kind of a little bit draconian. Uh, we started, we started letting everybody run their game, but then, you know, some games took longer than others, so we set a hard session limit of three sessions per game. By we, we mean one of our friends did this. Shout her name, Shameless. <laughs> yes, and yeah, and I think the 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 reason was is that we didn't want to get stuck playing this, not stuck, but running in a game, one game over and over again and other GMs wanted to play different games or you know have a shot at running games that they had it that they have in their library or games that they were really interested in you know for us luckily we have that group and we have a group that's very open to running games I mean we have different players who are willing to take up the GM mantle so that's pretty neat you know, and then on our Saturday group, it was always meant to be one. This is Saul's Saturday group. It's not actually my Saturday group. You're playing in it. Yes, I am. <laughs> so it 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 was started as a as a in player face to face group, and we were playing in nearby Palo Alto. That was in the before times. Yes, in the before COVID nineteen times, and it was really fun, and we really liked you know rotating the games, and we didn't really have a set way or time. Usually there were considered one shots or one adventure and sometimes the one adventure would last maybe two three four sessions but in that face-to-face game we played a little bit longer we played from like 10 to two three four so the sessions were 
much longer than the Friday group because the Friday group is online and we only play for like four hours max. Because we're in different places and some people have to get up early to go to work and they're in two hours ahead of us. Yeah, we're in different time zones. And that's one another reason why we started the Friday night group because we were playing. I wanted to play with people that had left the area and were no longer local. Um, we're lucky, right? We're lucky that we have these groups that, that have people who are willing to GM on a consistent basis. These two groups, we you know, we each run a game and then we, you know, we pass it on, right? We know whatever game we want to run. And a lot of times what I do is I give like people an option of like three games. No, not three games. He gives you an option of like 2000 games <laughs> no, and, he, no, and no. then somebody chooses something different. Yeah, that, so that, there's that, right? So, so it was, it was the reason I, I want to do, I've, like I said, the whole reason I started these groups were because was because I wanted to try these games that I had recently bought or some of these games I had bought a long time ago and they just never saw the ta- gaming table. And so I think that was critical for me is that we, you know, we all play, we all GM and we all put out the different games. Because somebody was telling him that he has all these games and why are they here? Who was that person? That was me. <laughs> So at least I could say, hey, I, I played this game instead of just reference material, <laughs> which uh, quite a few of them are. But it was fun, right? It was fun having these these different games hit the table. And I got to experience a lot of different games. You know, it's kind of like a, you know, like a, when you go to a convention over a weekend, you can pick different games that you never played before. And I think that's one of the pluses of, of conventions. And this is one of the pluses of this type of, of rotating GMs groups that we have. So how do you pick the game that that's going to be next? Well, in our in our group, you know, we don't have the long campaign game that we sort of do because we have a third group that we play on Sundays. The Sundays seems like Sundays is campaign day because Sunday our games are much longer. You know, they're they deal with campaigns and they deal with you know longer or lo- really long sets of adventures. When we play on on Saturday and Friday, those groups usually the person who is next in one group is not as organized as the other right one group says oh who wants to run next okay i will what do you have oh i have can run this or i can run that and they like and people choose and we send emails back and forth it's kind of informal while the friday night group we have this role of you know who's next on the list right and you have you can choose to pass <laughs> you can choose to pass yes yeah and the list is you know it just has everybody in the group that that plays and you know, it just rotates, right? I think I think that um, one of the reasons that that it is the way it is is because Saul always wants to run a game, right? And other people wanted to run too, so we had to. They had to curtail him. <laughs> the, probably the reason that is is because I have so many games I want to see hit the table. So if I can control that changing of that, because other people just you know, want to play games that we've already played in, and that's completely fine and it's fun. But I want to games that are on my shelf to see if they work or if they're fun or whatever so but it's most interesting because he his friend asked him oh what what do you want what do you want me to run for you and he told him some steampunk apocalyptic game well, no, or I, something it was funny because no i said i want to i go what what do you want he says what do you want to play in he must listen to our podcast or something because I don't know. Maybe I say that I want to play certain games and and I don't get to play them. So he asked me, right, you know, straight up. He goes, well, what genres do you want to play? I go, well, I really like post-apocalyptic games, 
or the genre. I'm really interested in that. I don't know why, but and uh, <laughs> and I really like steampunk games, right? I I think uh, steampunks are pretty. The setting, the genre, whatever you want to call it, is pretty neat. Even though there's huge differences on what you consider steampunk. Like steampunk can be just Victorian era, no magic kind of thing. Or it could be, you know, all out, you know, like fantasy dwarves, elves, minotaurs, you know, magic in a Victorian era steam age setting. So it runs quite a bit of a, of a genre there. Out of the blue, he he. I think he texted me or emailed me. He goes, he goes. Have you heard of this game called Airship Pirates? Right. And I go, yeah, I have heard of it. And he goes, it's great because it mixes both post-apocalyptic and steampunk. Right. <laughs> the, the two genres that I wanted to play in. And Saul pulls it off of his shelf. No. Well, before that, he goes, do you own the game? I go, oh yeah, I do. And he goes, do you own it in print or PDF? I go, both. <laughs> And what the funny thing is, my friend lives in Portland, Oregon. And the first time we went to Portland, Oregon to visit them all, you know, Jolene has family in in Washington, right across the river. And so we went there and we all visited this place called Guardian Games. Now, this is the new, there's a Guardian Games there now, but they, I mean, it's still the same game place, but its location had moved. So this one was more like uh, near the river, near these. It was more of an uh, industrial type. Is that one when Simona went with us? Yes, Simona. Well, we went to that ice cream place. Remember yes, that? Yeah. It was sold yeah. ice cream. And, it then, was, and then we went to the game store. And then we went to the game store, right. Which was like right in some like dock, old dock area. And it was a great place. They, you know, they allowed, they have like this large place to play. And they even have like a place where adults could go and drink and stuff like that. Kind of like a pub idea. Anyway, so the, which this is was, a great idea, by the way. What was that like ten years ago? At least. And so we, I bought Airship Pirates when I was there, right? Because and, he can't go into a gaming store without buying a role playing game. Well, <laughs> I took advantage of Oregon's you know no sales tax policy, right? <laughs> Any excuse, my friend. <laughs> Any excuse. I seven point eight percent. So I bought it, and I you know I read it. I was really fascinated with it. And I never got to play it. I never got to run it. And now and he's going to get someone to run it for right. him. It's even better. That's a way of, I don't know what I call it, but because I think people who run games a lot like me, sometimes we get into this rut about, you know, we talked about it, the GM, the GM dad who runs games all the time. I also have a lot of games on my list that I want to try. And it was funny because I put out like three games I wanted to run. And everybody was talking about the games and there's a, what, six, seven people in our group. And people were saying, oh, I want to try this game. Oh, I think this one would be interesting. And out of the blue, Jolene ignores the list that I had and says, Feng Shui. I want to play Feng Shui. And I don't know what kind of poor, wily ways the woman has. But everybody goes, oh, yeah, we all play Feng Shui. That's the game we want to play. He was very upset about that, by the way. Because <laughs> it wasn't on the list. It wasn't on the I list. think Sippy suggested it. <laughs> I don't remember. Anyway, I don't even know where it came from, actually. And it's fine. I love Feng Shui, you know, and I have not really. And run. I got to play Feng Shui. And I really haven't run Feng Shui 2nd Edition. I haven't got to play that one, which is substantially different from the 1st Edition. Well, I don't know how other groups are, but the Friday night group is full of a bunch of GMs. These are guys that have been playing since the 1970s and or 80s, 1980s. Most of, <laughs> most of the 80s, I think. Well, because the very end of the 70s, maybe very beginning of the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how early Mike and those guys started playing, but 
Probably wasn't as early as me because of I was influenced by Felipe. Well, who, yeah. Who, who who was influenced or was exposed to it in high school. And I'm not sure that, that Mike and those people were playing at that time. But shortly after. Yes. Like 1980. <laughs> junior high. So so these guys have been playing for a long time. And they all have run games. for, and They all run games right. for different people or different groups. Right. And, and they really enjoy playing and they know almost everything and <laughs> I don't need to worry about knowing all the rules because someone will tell me or they'll argue about it either way. <laughs> so we've been, yeah. So picking a, picking a new game for us is just really, it's you know, what they want to run, who, what, what people want to play, right. what they enjoy. And so it makes it really nice. But I know some groups aren't like that, where some groups only play D&D. But that doesn't mean that the same person has to run the, the campaign. Right, right. Maybe maybe you give it to somebody else, or maybe somebody in your group wants to try a different game. So that would be this would be a good time when your current game ends to let them have a shot at it. Right. Or to suggest other people run a game. I did that with our with our Sunday group. Which I got no takers, but um, <laughs> that's okay. I put I also put out a game saying I'll run Feng Shui because I was playing in it and I thought, oh, this would be cool. And, and I know some of them have already played in it, but I got no takers on that email either. So <laughs> I told Saul, we'll see what happens. Well, if you're listening, Jason, it's okay. Saul will run Shadow Run sooner or later. Yeah, yeah. So, so sometimes you don't get people to to pick up the mantle to go and and do the GM. Oh, in, th- in this case, you picking up the mantle to pick do the GM, but nobody's picked up the playing mantle, right? Yeah, I think that is just some people, some groups even have a problem with responding to email, right? It just happens. That's why, you know, when I I've told stories about when I first started running games again with people other than the people I usually did. Back in 2001, when I started the third edition Forgotten Realms campaign that I ran, it was like, does anybody want to do this? Does anybody want to pick a, a pre-established advent, uh, setting? That was the big, first big question that I wanted because I wanted to go buy a setting and I wasn't sure I, I wanted to come up with my own. Like my brother had, you know, his Cardoza campaign, which, you know, it was I had some revelations about it just the other day. But Revelations, uh, you mean? Revelation, what did I say? Relevations. <laughs> Remember, English is my second language. It was. That's it was, a joke, it by was, the way. Yes, yeah. It's not really a second language. But sorry for people if I confused you this whole time. It was funny because he was talking about his his campaign, and I didn't want to go through the hassle of creating a world from scratch. You know, at the time, I was still going to school. I was, you know, busy and and it was just something I didn't want to do. And I figured, well, if I could just buy a campaign setting it would just eliminate a lot of problems. So there was the world of Greyhawk, which was still in first edition. I don't think they ever came out with the second edition rules. Maybe they did, but they certainly didn't do it for third edition and haven't since. Though there's rumors they're coming out with a new uh, campaign setting. There was Dragonlance and there was Forgotten Realms that I could buy. And on a whim, I just picked Forgotten Realms, you know. And so I, I set it in, in, in Cormier in that area. And that was just me doing that because I had pulled the group by email, I said, "Hey, does anybody have any preference to what world we should, you know, buy? If we want to buy one, or should we make our own?" And the response was zilch, right? Nothing, no responses at all. Jolene, you know, this is like her first time 
Well, maybe not her first time, but this is the first time that she's re- sent an email to a bunch of people and got very little response back. To which I say, it's not like they don't like your game or they don't like your idea. Is that people sometimes are very, they're very unresponsive to email. So what I develop in response to the no responses for emails, I would just email bomb people, right? I would send emails constantly and that was my tact. And then either they would get tired of me sending them emails, which I was totally fine with and actually respond because that's what I wanted. Or they would get angry and say, stop sending me so many emails. I go, well, just answer my question. (laughs) And so, you know, maybe I trained them wrong, right? Because when I was running games, when I was running that game and I was the GM dad and I was saying, okay, are we going to meet this Friday? Are we going to play this Friday? Are we going to skip this Friday? Who can make it? A lot of times they wouldn't respond to that first email. So I would just, you know, every day for like, if it was two weeks out, I was, you know, I was, I would wait two every other day. And then as the time grew closer, I'd start emailing them sometimes twice a day. So maybe I trained them wrong. But people, I don't know what, what it is about emails. People, people, either they read them, they go, oh, I got to respond to this. I don't have time right now. And then they forget about them. There's a new technology now. It's called texting. <laughs> there is texting. And you were telling me that younger people really like texting instead of emails. Yeah, they don't like you to call them on the phone. They want you to text them. Well... I don't mind. And the whole reason I, I switched to instead of calling people one was once because I, th- I always thought it was less intrusive. Right. Because when you call somebody, you may be interrupting them when they're doing something important. You may be waking up their kid when they're trying to put them to sleep or whatever. And where emails, they can read it at their own time and they can respond in their own time. But it's almost like it's too easy to forget. And text messages, I think, are a little bit they're more immediate and the your phone buzzes. Right. You know, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you have it on. And then they're more inclined to respond to a text. And that's true, too, because like like I have the alternate Western game that I run and I may send emails to Teo and Adrian. But in a text, they usually respond in much quicker chances of response. So back to choosing the game. Right. So luckily, me and Jolene have these two groups that have multiple GMs. But in our longer campaign, right, the Sunday game, Jolene was running D&D. I was running D&D and I switched from D&D to Shadowrun and and after I, I was done with Shadowrun because uh, you know Shadowrun is a difficult game to run and because the rules are so complex and there's so many things to remember and I find D&D much easier to run. But you're we're not actually done with it because we're you stopped running it in the middle of a <laughs> of a of a very important dragon scene and it was a bit of a cliffhanger. <laughs> and and then, you know, things happened. It was it was the twenty twenty year. Well, when... we were meeting in person. Yes. And then COVID hit, right? Yes. And then COVID was like, Well, you know, we'll see each other in a couple months. That kind of thing. And that hasn't happened. <laughs> so unfortunately it has not happened. It's October now and and this is October. And so because people were like going, I'm I, I haven't got to see you. I went ahead and did the D and D on twenty roll twenty with them, but they're they really want to do the shadow run, but Saul's running too many games currently to, right. to stop and do it. So. Yes. Which is kinda interesting because you know, the way the way the rotation fell. I was running Feng Shui for Friday night and I think it's almost my turn to run uh on a Saturday group and I have my long campaign on Sunday, my alternate Western game. So Jolene's all, there's no way you're going to be running three games on over three, three days. And I'm like, yeah, that might be a little bit too taxing. 
So luckily, you know, other people stepped up and ran on Saturday. I think when when you have such a large group of people who are willing to run and play games, I think that's the best way. But if you don't, if you're, you know, if like on the Sunday group, a lot of people aren't comfortable running for whatever reason. And so the the main. Well, one of them all broke. So, you know. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, you want to give some context about that. We ran a huge three table, a three GM game at a con a couple of years ago. Probably more like four years ago. Yeah. And though it went really well, uh, one of the GMs had a really tough time. That was our friend Steve, and he Jolene says he she, we broke him because it was really stressful for him. And you know, I admit that that it was you know like his first GMing gig that he did at and, a convention, and it was his first GMing gig at a convention. And some of his players weren't the nicest players. Oh, he got the most horrible. He got table. the worst ones, right? The the rules lawyers. Right. Well, it's funny is as soon as they came to my table, the rules lawyers, their that aspect of the rules lawyerish went away. But I have maybe a little stronger personality. But uh, it doesn't <laughs> matter. Where was I going? So the long campaign, I was running Shadowrun, and then I was running D and D, and then Shadowrun came up, and it was a one shot. I was just going to run over one shot. It was over. Oh, it was a. Uh, it was a New Year's Day. New Year's, New Year's Day Eve game. Thing, yeah. And what's funny is is that Jolene, I was, was I think I shared this a long time ago, but Jolene usually likes to play only like four or five hours because then she gets tired, you know, and we get tired of sitting down. So we had started pretty early because, you know, I, I wanted it was to, New Year's Eve. It was so, New Year's yeah. Eve. So we started around noon. I figured we stop around five because that's a five hour limit. But they were so excited. I couldn't say I was I was tired, but I couldn't say, oh, no, stop. <laughs> so I, I was it was funny because they were we were playing and five o'clock rolls around and then like, OK, guys, I think this would be a good place to stop. And then like Jolene, who was across the table to me, kind of gives me a weird look. She goes, we can't stop now. I'm like, well, you know, it's been five hours. We've been playing five hours. He goes, no, no. And I think we ended up playing to like nine or ten, which was cool because we spent all day. But we but. just ordered dinner. <laughs> it was funny. So I was the play, the main person running the fifth edition game at the time, and then I switched to uh, that one shot, and they enjoyed it so much. They go, oh, can we play again? Can we keep playing? And I was kind of caught off guard because I wasn't really expecting to run a campaign. And I go, sure. And then I, I really like almost bit off more than I could chew because that game is massively complex. And so on a one shot, I could flub a lot of stuff. Right. But as the as the group, as the players got more and more into the game and actually went out and bought the book and read the rules, they were really starting to get technical as to what what the rules were. And I was like, Ugh. but it's good. You like it. <laughs> yeah, I love do. the genre. I've always liked Shadowrun. You know, I'm I'm the GM dad in that group, and then Jolene felt pity on me and says, "I'll help, you know, give you a, a little bit of slack time." And and she, she ran uh, an adventure, uh, the Mad Maid, which I thought was really neat. I ran an adventure before that too. And she ran. Oh, that's right, you ran an adventure, and then she ran the Mad Mage. And I thought they were both good games. And the Mad Mage was weird, was strange because I could tell that she was uncomfortable with the whole situation, the whole. It was a dungeon. The mega dungeon. I've never been in a, I never, Sal doesn't run dungeons. So it was my first experience in a dungeon. (laughs) So some elements of the the dungeon were really interesting. And I thought that was really neat. And other times it was just too mechanical. And I think that's what killed it for you, right? The mechanical, let's go to the next room and kill everything and take their stuff. In that case, when somebody is always the GM and runs the game, I think 
as a group, if you're in that kind of group and you're a player, I would say give it a shot. Tell your GM that you're willing to like, you know what? Let me run a game. I'm really interested in running the game. I want to learn the ropes. You know, ask them for tips or her tips about what they would do or how they run or how they, you know, what their their modus operandi is. Is how do they do the running of the game, especially if you like the way they run the game, and then go from there. And I think one, you alleviate a little bit of a problem from not a problem, but a little bit, you know, give the GM give a break. Give the GM a break, yeah. And you get to, <clears throat> excuse me, you get to learn something about what it, what it takes to be behind that GM screen. Though most people don't use GM screens these days. And I think that's a good way of being in a group and making sure your group lasts. Because I know there's GMs out there who can just, they love running games and they, they'll run forever. And that's cool. But I think it'd be nice to give them a break. And it'd be nice for players to, pick up the mantle and say, you know, I want to run a game. And, you know, even if it's a one shot or a, a two session adventure or whatever, or even a different genre, that would be interesting for your group, even though they might resist it. I think if you say, well, Laura's been running for the last three years and I want to give her a break and I want to try this new game. That's what I would do just to mix it up a little bit, keep it interesting. And then even if your game, you know, is terrible, you're going to go back to uh, Laura's game and everybody's going to be happy. Yeah, your game probably won't be terrible. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't expect it to be terrible. Picking the game. A lot of times when us as GMs are presenting the game, a lot of times we, you know, depending on what we want to run, we have to like sell the game, right? We have to like, well, this is the game I want to run and this is why I want to run it. And I think if you give a good uh, pitch, what? A pitch. good pitch, exactly. A good pitch. People will say, well, you know, Saul's really interested in this game. He seems excited to play and a run the game so yeah i'm not all that interested in that genre but i'll give it a shot or like my friend who who isn't really interested in playing traveler you might get people go well you know what it doesn't that game really doesn't do it for me i'll sit out it's no big deal you know i i you know i can do something else on sunday night or friday night or whatever it is and don't take it as a you know take it as a as a hit you know don't take it as as a rec as a what don't take it personally right <laughs> don't take it personally don't take it as as saying something bad about you. you just doesn't like the game and i can understand that because i was kind of in the same boat years ago but me i'm more willing to try anything more than once <laughs> well i tried traveler it was interesting well anyway it's a very old game right and the and the version we played was the original th little black books right so it was very, uh, Mongoose did a second edition, which they rewrote the rules. And I think it's presented a little bit better, the mechanics and all, all that stuff. All I know is that in the middle of the, in the middle of the adventure, everybody stopped because they had to have an argument about the rules. That was and then they actually got to the, they, they went to the, the Mongoose version of the rules and they said that nobody actually knew what those rules meant <laughs> and i just thought it was to be interpreted i right? thought it was hilarious <laughs> because i was like sitting there for 30 minutes going you guys what? are arguing about stuff and then somebody wasn't there for the first argument and it wasn't really an argument it was just a discussion a discussion about well it was an interpretation of the rules right and the, and the, and the, and that's the problem of early early and even some modern games right that the rules are it's a problem for all games especially board games oh god yes well let's not get into discussion about <laughs> rules and interpretations but th that was you know and and that happened in a kind of a in a different way anyway it doesn't that we shouldn't get to that 
interruptions in, in sorry in, in the <laughs> interruptions in role playing so games. sorry but you know that's something you don't want to happen is this like let's open the books and let's let's read you know what the rules are well but I, but one of the things when you're playing games like that older games a lot of people have played in them before and so they have their how they did it before but if you haven't done it for 30 years then it might be a hard to, hard to remember exactly how 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 you did it back then ultimately i think it's up to the GM. It's probably a different subject, but you know, ultimately, you have to trust you know each other, right? Yeah. As a player and as a GM, and I think you know one of the OSR things is rulings over rules, right? Yeah. Uh, even if you get a rule wrong, I and I and I've done this before, especially in Shadowrun. I go, look, you gotta trust me that I'm not out to kill you or I'm not out to screw you as far as the rules are concerned. But in the, in the, in in order to keep the game flowing and moving. I'm going to rule it this way. After the game, you guys can spend all the time you want and look it up and then come back to me and say, see, this is what the rules say. This is what it should have been like. And then, boom, we can go from there. But what you don't want is the rules discussion. At the table. Yeah, stopping the game. And then you're like, okay, so so three people are arguing about the rules and the other three people are there listening to you argue or have a discussion. So, But that makes it interesting when you're picking games, right? Because you never know what people are going to pick and you get to play all kinds of different games. If you are in more than one group, that plays more get more than one game. Yeah, that's why I like playing games nobody else has, because then like they don't have the rules and they can't argue the rules with me. <laughs> that's not true because you <laughs> so you share uh, the rules with them. Well, so. Sometimes I do, but sometimes you know some people don't read the rules and they just grab the pre-generated character and they run with it, which is cool. Yeah, some of us are a little more busy than other people. So how do you pick your next game? It all depends on the type of group that you have and and what why your group plays games right if you're in that long campaign that laura's been running for the last three years and it ends that's amazing because we don't really run a lot a lot of long campaigns well we don't we did we ran, ran storm king's thunder and that lasted you a year did that right so in that sense that is a huge that is a huge decision when when you're looking at starting another campaign and i think that one is a little bit more Everybody has to discuss what they want to do, make characters together, and and it's going to be a long haul kind of game. A little bit easier to choose a game when you're running a group like what we have is where we're rotating GMs, we're rotating games, and we only run three or four sessions and switch games because that's what we do. And picking that next game could be either something you've always wanted to try or something you've played back when you were young, like Traveler. We played that when we were back in the 80s and it's kind of you know this nostalgic role you know look back at the rules and stuff like that and that's pretty cool or it could be a brand new game that you've never played and want to try it out so when you pick that next game it all depends on the group luckily for me there's two groups three groups that i run in two are like rotating gms and one is a longer type of game and a lot of that is because people really like the game you know people really like fifth edition so I've been running fifth edition for a while and people now all of a sudden like Shadowrun. So and I love Shadowrun. I love the world. The rules are a little clunky, <laughs> chunky. Crunchy. But that's okay. But that's okay. You know, a lot of the rules are 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 player facing, I like to say. We'll let him say that cuz I don't know what it means, but that's okay. Don't explain it to me now. <laughs> um so good luck picking a new game. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. Try something new. Give your GM a break. Run something for them. There you go. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And you have a good day. Mm-hmm.